Or if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. And we're going to continue a series that we started some weeks ago on why the family is important, or why spiritually oneness, spiritual oneness is important. Uh, those that are married and don't have family yet. Uh, and I think that uh, God's spoken to all our hearts. I do a lot of retreats and a lot of family conferences uh, outside the church. And um, the reason is, I believe that, number one, the family is the foundation for society. As goes the family, goes the church. As goes the family, goes the society. Uh, the devil divides and devours nations, one family at a time. And then second of all, uh, we uh, if you want to go back to the second slide, I think Brother uh, Cody's been delayed at work tonight but or cl at a class. And so Brother Joel's got it all by himself, so pray for him. But the family's a foundation of society, but number two, it's the father's priority. In Genesis chapter 2, he said it's not good that man should be alone, and he uh, brought Eve unto Adam. And that's the way we ought to look at our wives as a gift from God, men, and that the uh, Lord has provided a helpmeet, which means a divine completer. Not a divine uh, competer, but a divine completer. Uh, she... Uh, completes you, men, and without her, uh, you'll feel half empty. Amen? You should. Say amen right there. Praise God. And uh, the, number three is we see it's not only the Father's priority, but it's the, it's the focus of the devil's fight. Right after Genesis chapter 3, of course, we have Genesis chapter 1, and the devil attacks the first family, the first marriage. And uh, they begin to argue and say, the woman made me do it. Isn't it great that men are so... Mainly, they blame everything on their wife. You know, that's pathetic. And um, they say, you know, it's her fault. And, you know, we always do the blame game. That's found in Genesis chapter 3. And uh, started Eve doubting and Adam, Adam doubting the word of God. And uh, we know the results of sin. And uh, then, then uh, fourth of all, it's not only the focus of the devil, but it frees you to minister to other families. In First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, says that a pastor ought to have his family in order. And, you know, how can a pastor um, help a family if his family's falling apart? And so that's a great responsibility. It's a great attack. You ought to pray for your pastor. Pray for every man of God because I guarantee you the, the devil wants to fight. And then uh, I believe I preached on this uh, last Sunday, uh, uh, fourthly, and uh, I skipped it and made it fifth. But the future of our children uh, is uh, found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, an outline about uh, how we ought to uh, uh, bring our children up to, to uh, know the character of God. He's one Lord. And then also to cherish God. We ought to love Him with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. It ought not be a half-hearted thing. It shouldn't be a Sunday uh, thing. It ought to be a daily moment from the time you rise up to the time you go to bed. You ought to have the Word of God as frontlets upon thine eyes, and, and you ought to meditate upon the Lord day and night, and then the Bible says you'll be successful. And tonight, we want to preach on the fountainhead, tried to alliterate all this, uh, the fountainhead of God's love, the fountainhead of God's love, um, and, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. I'm going to give you five reasons to be married, stay married, and enjoy marriage. Uh, and it's not just being married, it's spiritually one. Two sinners 
can never meet each other's needs. The best you can do in the flesh is manipulate. The best you can do in the flesh. But in the spirit, you die to self and you can overflow with the love of God to your mate. Now that sounds exciting, and it is exciting. Matter of fact, you try to outgive each other and try to out try to outgive each other. Uh, or get each you know, you get things. You try to give your life. You try to outgive your mate. And you give out of the fullness of the Spirit of God. That's what we're going to preach on tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. If you can stand tonight and honor the Word of God, I want us to read verses 18 through um, 25. The Bible says, Be not drunk with wine where in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. That doesn't mean he's superior. That's just a position, it's a role. You're the spiritual leader. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. And here's the text tonight. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And I must read two more verses. It says that you might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. And here it is, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that is it should be holy and without blemish. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the good attendance. Thank you for our visitors being back with us tonight. Uh, Lord, it just encourages our heart uh, when visitors come back and want to worship with us and and study the Word of God together. And I pray, dear God, you'd bless them and bless, uh, bless us to be a blessing. And God, I pray, dear Lord, you'd help us to realize how important spiritual oneness really is. God, one out of two marriages in Dalton are not making it. One out of two marriages around the whole world is ending in a terrible trauma called divorce. God, something's going wrong. And Lord, I pray to God that you'd help us to get back to the Bible, get back to the the greatest uh, marriage manual that's ever been written, and go by what God says a marriage ought to be. And that's to be spiritually one for your glory. So Lord, use this message. And thank you for all the messages that we preached on the family. I pray it's been an encouragement to, your, to our hearts, at least to pray for America and the way the family has fallen apart. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we live in the last days, as I preached on Sunday night, perilous times. And it's so perilous that there's unnatural affection. And there's people that are so carnal and so wicked, they try to redefine marriage as men with men, women with women. Um, They try to redefine gender and say that you can change your gender. If you don't like being a a man, you can change to be a girl or a woman. And uh, this is so uh, sad in these last days that we would let people legislate and promote and even uh, propagate, like from Hollywood, that this is okay. It is not okay because God's got a plan. 
And God's got an exciting plan for marriage. It's found in Genesis chapter 2, as I preached last Wednesday. One man, one woman for a lifetime. That's the plan. And two become one, and they're not ashamed. They leave, and they cleave, and they become one. And they become heirs together of the grace of life. I'll preach on that next Wednesday night. And what a great definition of marriage that is. Heirs together of the grace of life. 1 Peter 3, 7, look it up for next week. But you know, this tonight, I want to I want to emphasize what the Bible emphasizes that the husband should love the wife uh, as Christ loved the church. It's to model his love. See, marriage is not about you. Uh, a lot of people get into marriage and they marry their husband for their money. I hope you didn't do that. It'd been cheaper to go to the bank and borrow money. But um, it'd been a lot less tra- traumatic too. Uh, some people marry because of feelings and uh, excitement. Uh, some people marry because the fellow can run a football across a goal line or, a, or she can cheer on the sidelines. That's not any motive for marriage. That's all about what I can get out of it. But folks, marriage is about God. And this, this passage of Scripture really teaches that we are picturing Christ's relationship with the church. That is a great picture. And I want to tell you something, friend, what's so sad today that the picture is hazy. The picture is distorted because families are falling apart one family at a time. Uh, Marriages are falling apart. Some are getting married for the wrong reason, all the wrong reasons, and they're getting in it for what they can get out of it. And so this is a, a, a lesson on that God has ordained spiritual oneness that the love of God can flow. And the love of God can be modeled to a lost and dying world. John 13, 35 says, they'll know that we're disciples because we love one another. I think we can bring that verse home, say amen. And I'll tell you something, if if a husband cannot love his wife and a wife cannot love his husband, that's a bad testimony, amen? Our marriages ought to be different. Now, I'm not saying we're holier than thou. We all have problems. Some of y'all suffered the trauma of divorce. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. You can build your life by God's grace and God's word. And I'm going to tell you something. It's fulfilling and it's exciting when two Christians are spirit-filled. That means they die to self. And so we see in verse 25, there's a person to love. And folks, the Bible says, husbands, love your wives. It didn't say love everybody else's wife. It said love your wife. And I think uh, marriage should be very intimate. And I believe, friend, there ought to be some oneness in that marriage. And by the way, the world tries to flip it and make it all physical. You know, if it feels good, do it. And a lot of people get physical before marriage, and that's a, and that's a, a terrible mistake because you feel obligated to marry sometimes because you've been intimate and you've, uh, uh, as the world says, went all the way and you've made love. Folks, you don't make love, you express love. And so if there's not a, if, there, if there's not a, uh, spiritual oneness, and there's not a soul oneness, which means emotional oneness, kindness, love, expression of, of, uh, of the spirit in you, then there'll not be a fulfilling physical oneness. But the world flips it and says you ought to have a physical relationship, and then you can figure out the, uh, the, the soul or the relationship part, um, the relationship outside the bedroom, in the kitchen, in the den, everyday life, being kind one to another. And 1 Corinthians 13 is one of the most romantic chapters in the Bible. It says we ought to be patient one another. That's, 
That's very, that's very loving to be patient. Say amen. Some of you ladies can say amen twice. I know who you're married to. But I want to say this. We need to realize God help us to realize that marriage is more than just physical. But thank God in marriage there is a physical expression of the two onenesses, the spiritual oneness and the soul oneness or the emotional oneness. And I want to say this. If those two are not right, the physical will never be right. You'll feel used, abused even, and it'll just be shallow and be always unfulfilling. The husband has responsibility to model Christ's love to a lost and dying world, to his mate, but also to release, to, to uh, overflow with the Spirit. Too many husbands today love other women. Their wife, their wife is the, uh, should be the only one, not another one. There's a lot of adultery going around today, a lot of wickedness. And, you know, it's accepted. There's a lot of premarital uh, things going on that's not right with God. It's not, it's not ordained to God. Shacking and uh, 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 pre, uh, prenuptial agreements. Uh, folks, there's no plan B, praise God. It's a, com- it's a covenant. Amen? It's a covenant relationship. So the person of love is your wife. Then the pattern for love, even as Christ also loved the church. And folks, that's a high standard for marriage. And folks, if God made marriage, and he did, he said it was not good that man should be alone, and he thought of the idea of marriage, don't you think he's got the plan for it? And don't you think he's got the power for it? And he does, and it's found in verse 18. But the plan is verse 21 through verse 33. And folks, one of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is you have a happy home. You know, anybody can pump it up at church. Anybody can sing a good song and um, do our best for Jesus because we, you know, we're stirred at church. But I want to tell you something. It ought to be an overflow of your Christian life at home. Your true Christian disposition comes out around the breakfast table, not the Lord's supper table. Anybody can smile in church. Some of y'all not doing that, but anybody can try, amen? But I want to tell you what really counts is your Christianity in the home. Somebody said that your Christianity rises no higher than your level of Christianity in the home, in your relationship. So we ought to work on our marriage. That's why I love these couples retreats we have every spring. Matter of fact, we only got two two reservations open for this coming year already. It's already full. Uh, Great bed and breakfast. uh, Teach all day, uh, uh, all morning Friday, and then Thursday night, and then uh, two more sessions on Friday morning, then a good session on Friday night. You say, is that necessary? Yes, it is. Because this Bible is the manual for marriage. And I want to tell you something. I want to ask Hollywood, how's their marriages going? Let's ask some politicians, how's their marriages going? And folks, I want to tell you something. The only way it can go good is with God. And so, folks, the Bible says, husbands, love your wife even as. The word even as is a high standard. Uh, look at um, uh, chapter 4, verse 32. It says, and be ye kind one to another. That's what we need. We need revival in the marriage. Some people are more kind to an unannounced guest than they are their own wife, own husband. It says, be ye kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Even as. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ. Folks, we have a standard. We have a high standard. We have a supernatural relationship. 
when Christians are saved, but not just saved now. A lot of people be saved and sorry. A lot of people be saved and carnal. A lot of people be saved and selfish. That's right. The old nature doesn't die. There's a there's a there's an old nature and a new nature. That's back in Ephesians chapter four. The Bible says in verse twenty four and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Put on the new man. What's that mean? Yield to the Spirit. So there's a nat- there's an old nature inside of you, the Adamic nature, and then there's a divine nature, the Holy Spirit. Yield to the Holy Spirit. That's the key tonight. And I'm going to summarize this. The sacrifice in this pattern, God gave himself for it. And so, folks, listen. We can forgive like God forgave us. And how did God forgive us, verse 32 of the Ephesians 4? Because he cr- treated Christ as if he did it. He, took it he, he, he went to the cross and died for your sins. And so God treated um, Christ as if he sinned. And he, and he took sin upon him. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't a sinner, but he took sin upon us. He was the offering. He was the lamb. He was the divine substitute. And folks, as spiritual leaders... Husbands, you ought to love your wife even as Christ loved the church. And so I want to say this, um, young people, you are crazy, and that's probably not a good word. You are very unwise to even date somebody that's not spiritual, that's somebody that's not saved. Because I want to tell you something, friend. One day they might be your spiritual leader, and they better be spiritual. Because I want to tell you something, money cannot buy love. Amen. Nice houses cannot buy love. A lot of people live in nice houses and don't have a home. Say amen. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to have a we need to have the relationship where the wife gladly submits, verse 22, Ephesians 5, to the husband because he's so much like Christ. Folks, I want to tell you something. If a husband's like Christ, he's not hard to submit to. You don't have to uh get a, a banner or a or a placard or a or a sign and start picking in front of your house equal rights. Uh, you know, I don't like this man. No, I want to tell you something. If he's like Christ, you love him, and you know you can follow him, and the greatest protection you have is under the umbrella of submission. It'll free you. I'm not talking about uh, slavery. I'm not talking about dictatorship. I'm talking about leadership. Just because we got a mayor of this town don't make him a dictator. It makes him a leader. I hope he is. Just because we have a President, don't make him a dictator. It should make him a leader. Don't, don't get me started there. But I'm just saying, folks, we need to have a spiritual um, ranking in the family uh, where the, the, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. But that doesn't mean dictatorship. Uh, it means leadership. It means love. It means setting the example. And it means sacrifice. And folks, all that's done, not by just having a pattern of marriage, but yielding to the Spirit of God. It's letting the Spirit of God be who He is through you. And folks, Christ is the one that makes God real. Look at verse 21, submitting yourselves one another in the fear of God. There's mutual submission in the fear of God. You know what the fear of God is? Practice in the presence of God. Folks, I want to tell you something. You ought to not fuss and fight like the world does and hurt each other, and be critical and cynical like the world does in marriage because you practice the presence of God. He's listening. You know, a lot of people, they get a little closer when they have children because little Johnny's listening, little Susie's listening. But I want to tell you who's listening, God Almighty. 
And we ought to practice his presence. We ought to, we ought to, we ought to realize he's real. And folks, the, the definition of the fear of God is God knows. God knows your heart. God knows what you're thinking right now. And God knows your attitude towards your husband or your wife. And, you know, some people, it looks like sometimes they fall all the way to church. They try to make up in the pew. It won't work. You need, to, you need to get things right with God before you ever walk in the house of God. But it's a good place to get right with each other. We had people doing that Sunday night, and I thank God for them. It took maturity to do that. But as, as Christ loved the church, folks, how does Christ love the church? Sacrificially. How does Christ love the church? Servingly. How does Christ love the church? Selflessly. Folks, Christ didn't come to this world for a picnic or a vacation. He came to die for your sins. And folks, as spiritual leaders, we need to realize, and the pattern is that he might sanctify and cleanse it, verse 26. And the splendor of it is God gets the glory. Marriage is not about you. It's about him. It's about him. I believe with all my heart that people that get in marriage for themselves usually fail because you, you'll realize this, no other sinner, and everybody's a sinner on this earth, can meet your needs completely. You know what the greatest need for a man is? Significance. That's why, men, you don't want to get out there on that softball team and strike out when you got one swing because you want to look significant to your wife's in the stand. She probably thinks you're so sorry she ain't even going to come watch you. But, you know, um, my wife won't even let me play, and I, I thank God for that because she's got better sense than I do. But I want to tell you something. It means a lot to us to get a hit. But I want to tell you what make, means more to us than uh, most ladies probably is to be successful in our job. Significance. Significance. But I want to say this. If you try to get your significance just from your mate, you will drain her because she'll never make you as significant as Christ will make you significant. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says that we're accepted in the beloved. Folks, we're significant. We don't have to prove ourselves. God gives us significance that we are somebody. Now, we're not, we're not to be prideful, but we are to be thankful that God has delivered us from ourself and delivered us from our sinful uh, uh, past and forgiven us and made us Christians, joint heirs with Christ. I'm a royal descendant, amen? I'm a child of the king, how about you? And so men sometimes drain their wives by saying, you've got to make me feel significant. Because see, they grew up in a broken home and they're so insecure that they're critical. That's the way I was. I was critical uh, first few years of my marriage because I wanted to uh, keep my wife down in her place because I was so insecure. Folks, I want to tell you something. Misery loves company, and insecure people in a ditch love company, so they try to bring you down into their ditch. So a lot of people, they're, they're messed up because of their childhood. They're messed up because of their teenage years because they had never found significance in the home. It's always been broken and bitter. But I want to tell you something. Christ can change all that with salvation. And Christ can change all that with spirit sanctification that we can be filled with the Spirit of God to overflow. The greatest need for a wife is security, to feel loved, be loved no matter what, no matter how old she gets, no matter how wrinkled she gets, that her husband's going to be there. No matter how sick she gets, think of Brother Johnny McNeese and Miss Carolyn with that uh, MS for 15 years, didn't get out of bed. It was practically a corpse. 
And boy, Johnny loved her, never stopped loving her, just, just unconditional love. And folks, I want to say this. We need to realize that your wife needs the security that you'll always love her, that you'll always be loving, that you'll be like Christ. And the greatest security for your children is that you love God and love each other. That's the greatest security for a child. And it's the greatest security to prevent a terrible divorce or terrible heartache or terrible manipulation. That's, that's what you can do in the flesh, but you cannot minister. So your greatest ministry is your home. Your greatest ministry is your marriage. But I want to give you, just in closing, how you can have that great ministry. And uh, it parallels with chapter 5, verse 28 through the end of the chapter about the husband loving um, the wife as his own body. And so what it means is this, is that folks, you might be the head husband, but your wife is the body. And no man abuses his body. But the Bible says in verse 29, um, no, no man hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. We're members of the body, uh, of flesh, and of bones. And then look at verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. That's that leaving. And shall be joined unto his wife. That's that oneness. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak unto you uh, concerning Christ and the church. Then it says, nevertheless, let everyone, Ephesians 5, 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And his wife see that she reverence her husband. And see, folks, that's what the Bible teaches, that we ought to accept ourselves. If you're down on yourself, you will be down on everybody else. You need to accept yourself. I mean, you pat yourself on the back and think you're God's gift to women. That's not even pride. That's a wild imagination. But, folks, listen, it, you, you have a humility about you that God has blessed you and filled you with the Spirit, and called you to be beyond yourself, but spiritual, a spiritual person, a, a giving person, a loving person. Folks, you cannot have this without the Spirit of God. So the plans found in verses 23, 24, 25, on through the end of the chapter. Even though the Bible says, see that she reverence her husband. You know what that means? Respect. You want, to, you want to energize your marriage in 60 seconds, just bring respect into it. But if you want to kill your marriage, just, just take each other for granted. Disrespect each other. It's killing marriages. People don't respect each other. They don't speak respectfully. Uh, the parents uh, are setting a bad example, and the kids do not respect authority and do not respect their mom and daddy. They don't see the oneness. And so love and respect, it, it will revolutionize your life. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, if you'll turn there real quick, this will be the message next, next week. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, one of the greatest definitions of marriage in the Bible. It says, likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge. You ought to know that you're real different. Um, I can tell you how different you are. Uh, you ever been on a trip? Men want to conquer a trip. Ladies want to enjoy a trip. You ever been shopping? Men want to conquer that sweater. They want to bag it and get it, get it home so they won't miss the whole ball game. But ladies love the experience of shopping, most ladies. 
You know, we're different. We just think different. They say we think on the right side of the brain and left side of the brain, and ladies are more sensitive, and you need your wife because she has insights you'll never have. She can, uh, she can, um, she can um, uh, discern about people's attitudes more than you can. Uh, we just want the facts. We just want the figures. But I want to tell you something. Uh, ladies have an inch, inch, an ingenuity about them, and dwell, it says, "Dwell according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as a as a weaker vessel, and being heirs together." Here's the definition of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. My time's almost up. I'm going to let you out a little early tonight uh, since we don't have to wait on them to go through uh, uh, all the, their uh, game time and stuff. But I want to tell you something, friend. This summarizes marriage. is that you give honor to your wife as the weaker vessel. What's that mean, preacher? That means that she's more fragile emotionally. You need to protect her. That means she's not, a, she's not some kind of Waste can. She's a, a, a expensive, beautiful vase that needs to be uh, uh, protected, and watched over, and cared for, admired, and loved. Uh, uh, and and that's the that's the role of a man is to protect, and to lead, and love, and to guide. And then at the same time, uh, we should not just honor the wife, but the wife uh, the wife should honor the the man as the as a spiritual leader and uh, ordained of God to lead the family. That's an awesome responsibility. That you're the spiritual, that's what the Bible says. He even says in Ephesians chapter 5, he's the head of the, of the head of the wife. But folks, the Bible says that your prayers be not hindered. Heirs together, grace of life. You want to energize your mate in 60 seconds, try honor. Try respect. If you want to kill your marriage, just take each other for granted. And you're headed for a trauma. And a, and, a, and a tragedy in your marriage. Now, I want to close by going back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We need to have a spirit-filled heart that overflows to our mate. Uh, I'm going to give you in closing what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God, how to be filled with the Spirit of God. Filled means controlled, by the way. Have you ever been controlled by anger? Has, have you ever, anybody ever lost their temper in this place? Raise your hand. The rest of you come to the altar for lying. We've all lost our temper. We've all done really ignorant, dumb, expensive things when we're mad. I once got a ticket doing 92 miles an hour in a 45 zone because I was so mad. Now, this was in my younger days when I had a car that would drive, that'd go that fast. But, you know, and, and, and it cost me. I once put my hand through a, a door, and I had to apologize to my son and I had to repair the door, and I almost had a broken fist. And I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. There's a little key above the door. All you got to do is punch the hole, and you go in. But here was a, uh, a teenager that would not let me in his bedroom. And so, you know, it, Daddy lost it. And I'll tell you what was so humbling. I had to apologize to my son. And I had to apologize to my wife. And I had to apologize to my daughters. I had to apologize to everybody because I was filled with anger. You ever been filled with jealousy? I know a man that died prematurely in this neighborhood because he was tracking his wife every time she left the house and he was consumed with jealousy, the green-eyed monster. It drove him crazy and drove him to have a heart attack. And he died prematurely because of the sin of jealousy. You can be filled with anger. You can be filled with greed. And folks, filled means just control. 
Now look at this. And be not drunk with wine, we're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You know what that means? Let God control your life. And I want to say this, friend. There is no way a husband can love a wife, even as Christ loved the church gave himself for, without the Spirit of God through him doing that. There's no way you can love like Jesus. And there's no way you can submit to uh, him as Christ or the church submits to, to Christ. There's no way you can forgive somebody without the Spirit of God. Because in the flesh, you want to get even. In the flesh, you want to get mad. In the flesh, you just want to pout and not speak for three days. You ever been through that? Don't raise your hand. We're not taking a survey tonight. But I want to show you what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Number one, there's joy. That's beyond you. Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, melody in your heart means you're in harmony. You ever, sing, you ever heard somebody sing out of harmony, out of key? You know, I thank God we made it through that new song Sunday morning. I'm not going to rub that in, but we're going to rehearse those before we do that again because that was just about bogged us down, amen? Somebody said, aren't you glad you didn't have to preach after that? I said, I sure am. We have one more special, amen? But I thank God for a song leader to try something new. I love it. I told him, I said, I want some new songs. But I want to say this, friend. Have you ever sang off-key? I have. <laughs> Amen. And I want to tell you something, friend. When you're off-key with the Lord, then you're not happy. When you're in melody with the Lord, you know, if we tune this piano with another piano, they'd all be out of tune. You've got to have a tuning fork or a mechanism now. It's probably more sophisticated than a tuning fork. And then you have to, you have to get it in harmony. Folks, to be right with God gives you joy. And so without holiness, there's no joy. There's no happiness. The world li lives for happiness. What you need to do is live for holiness. That means to be like Christ and to be right with Christ. So number one evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is that you have joy. And then number two, the Bible says, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The second evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is contentment, thanksgiving. You're thankful for your husband. You're thankful for your wife. You're thankful for your daddy, your mama. You're thankful for everything. The Bible says, giving thanks always for all things. Uh, you're thankful for the trials because you know through the trials you can be conformed to his image. Not all trials is to chasten you, but all trials are to conform you. Romans 8, 28, and 29. Don't read 28 without 29. It makes you more like Jesus. All things working together. I won't go into that, but folks ought to be thankful for everything. Now that takes a spirit. Come on, say amen. How many of you have ever pouted, panicked, and was pitiful instead of praise God? Come on. Amen, come on. We've all been there and done that. I mean, just panic. And then this pout and just be pitiful and the Bible says well thank God for everything you know what we're in the flesh at that moment that's what it was and I want to tell you something you can take for granted your mate the gift of God husband that your that your wife that God brought into your life if you're not careful if you're in the flesh you can take her for granted and you'll not be thankful for her every day of your life and vice versa then third of all the Bible says, submitting yourselves one another in the fear of God. There's mutual submission. 
You know what, what a husband and wife's greatest testimony ought to be? That they love the same person. That you love Jesus. Folks, the greatest security for your child, children, is mom and daddy both love the same person. They love God. And thus they act like God. They treat people like God. And they overflow God. That's the Spirit of God. So it says, submitting yourselves one another to the fear of God. Let me close by saying this real quick. Folks, the fear of God is practiced in His presence. But the fear of God makes you know that God is real. And only by the Spirit of God can you know that God is real. That worship's real. That uh, the Bible says you can't even call the Lord Lord except by the Spirit, much less crown Him as Lord and worship Him as Lord. So there's three evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. Uh, joy, thanksgiving or contentment, and mutual submission or the fear of God, practice His presence. But then there's some other evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God. Wives, submit yourselves and your own husbands as unto the Lord. It's getting home now. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God, that you're submissive and that you're loving. And then what happens? Verse 26 and 27, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that you might present to himself a glorious church. God gets the glory. Let me just say this, you are saved for his glory. You were created, Isaiah 43, 7, for his glory. You were created, Revelation 4, 11, to please him. All things were and are created to please him. How do you please God? Hebrews 11, 6, by faith. And so listen, there is no way you can glorify God without the Spirit of God. And there's no way you can be one without the Spirit of God. There's no way you can be joyful without the Spirit of God. There's no way you can be giving without the Spirit of God. And so, folks, the requirement for being filled with the Spirit of God, put that slide back up there, is that you overflow. God does not fill you charismatic for a filling, to speak in tongues, to heal. Those are apostolic gifts. God fills you to overflow, to be a witness. And God fills you to be a Christian husband. God fills you to be a Christian wife. God fills you to be a godly parent. And so, folks, first of all, if you're going to be filled with the Spirit of God, you need to be thirsty. You need to be thirsty. You need to, you need to know that you need God, that you need His love, that you need His forgiveness, that you need His power to give and to minister to your mate when he's not reciprocal or he, she's not reciprocal. And then you need to empty yourself. I had a glass of water up here with dirt in the bottom of it. I could put all the water I wanted and it'd still be muddy. I got to empty that dirt. Folks, you need to confess sin, get right with God. God not, is not so hard pressed to use a vessel with sin in it. You must confess your sin and ask forgiveness. Then you need to believe the Holy Spirit's in your life. And by the way, when you get saved, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit comes in your life. You don't get part of Him, you get all of Him. Trouble is, He don't get all of you. And so, folks, the Spirit of God comes in your life because He's the Trinity. You don't divide Him up. You don't get one-tenth now and one-tenth later. He's not a, a measurement. He's God. He's a person. And then we need to yield. We need to yield. Folks, we need to be a clean vessel yielded to the Spirit of God. And then when we yield, we overflow. So why are you married? 
Well, I'm married because it feels good. I'm married because she's rich or he's rich. I'm married because I just didn't want to feel lonely. Well, you'll feel very lonely without the Spirit of God in your marriage. Matter of fact, you might feel more lonely married to somebody full of themselves than you would if you wasn't married at all. So Spirit-filled relationship is essential for the fulfillment of His name and His glory. And folks, marriage is not about you. It's about God. And the picture is here, even as Christ. It shouldn't be hazy. shouldn't be crooked. That ought to be a clear picture. Christ loves the church. The church submits to Christ. That ought to be the picture that you ought to model. You ought to model His love. You know, I thought about this. I thought about a shower head. You know, if a shower head is got all those holes in it, it's halfway stopped up, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have some problems as far as uh, with, with me because I don't have much hair. But some of you that have all this long hair, uh, it take you five hours to get a shower and wash your hair and wash the soap out. And you folks, you can blame it on the source. You can call Dalton Utilities and say, hey, hey, uh, 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 you know, you got a problem here. The water pressure is bad. But sometimes it's the shower head that's bad. And I'll just say this, you take that shower head off and it's not connected to the flow, it's worthless. But folks, I want to tell you something. I'm glad that when I was saved, I got connected as conduit to the, to the upper pool, Isaiah chapter 7, and I have a source of love. I have a source of contentment. I have a source that gives me a desire to give to my mate and minister to my mate. And folks, it, folks don't blame it. Uh, on the source, blame it on the shower head. Because I want to tell you something, friend, sometimes it can be clogged up, it can be rusted up, and it can just be there for itself. Or it can be disconnected, not even saved. Folks, I know that's a trite illustration, but I think you can get the point. Is folks, God the Spirit is enough. But what He needs is a vessel yielded, clean, believing, empty, thirsty, and overflowing to his mate. And it ought to start in the home. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, another importance of marriage, importance of family. And God, I pray that folks will get something out of Ephesians chapter 5. If they read it and meditate on it, they will. If they'll listen, they will. And Lord, I thank you, dear God, for the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. And God, to help us to be convicted of our selfishness. Sometimes that we live for our vain glory. Sometimes we live to get what we want and get what we deserve from folks. What we deserve is hell. And thank God we're not getting that because of the grace of God. But now we have the opportunity of a lifetime. And that's to have spiritual oneness with somebody. Spiritual giving spiritual thanksgiving, and, at the, and, the, and the ultimate is that we can picture Christ and his love for the church. All for your redounding glory. So Lord, help us not to just be married. Help us to be spiritually one. Help each person in this room to die to self, yield to the Spirit of God, and minister to a lost and dying world, yes, but also to those that we really care for and love. 
Well, thank you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I try to be as concise as I possibly could be. But I want to tell you something. This is the key. The key is we're, it, marriage is not about you. It's about God's glory. And marriage is impossible in your ability. It must, it must be, you must yield to the Spirit of God. And so the Christian life is not a matter of willing and dealing. It's a matter of yielding. And when we yield to the Spirit of God, we can be like Christ. What a blessing. Let me say, preacher, I know I'm saved. And I know I have the Spirit of God in my life. I know I have the capacity to give and minister. And I'm so glad that one day I trust the Lord as my personal Savior. Would you slip your hand up as a happy testimony of that all over this place? How many glad you're saved, amen? What a blessing. And you know, salvation doesn't just save you from sin, it saves you from yourself. And thank God we can have a saved relationship, a sanctified relationship, and a spirit-filled relationship. Let me say, preacher, I'm saved, but I need to yield more of my life to God. I need to yield my insecurities. I need to yield my hang-ups, and I need to yield some of my desires to the Lord. And I just want to die to self and be full of God's spirit so I can minister better to those that I love. And I want you to pray for me that I'd be filled or controlled with His Spirit. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer all over this place? God bless you. Thanks for listening tonight. I believe God had this message designed for all of us or we wouldn't be here. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for this night. Help us, God, not to live beneath our privilege of spiritual oneness, but God, help us to yield best we know how to be that vessel, that conduit, that channel of love that you've ordained us to be to our mate, to our friends, to our lost loved ones, to our parents, to all our relationships. God, may we be filled to overflowing with your spirit that you would get the glory. In Jesus' name, 